0: welcome to the school of travels podcast i'm your host becky gillespie and each week i bring you stories of how travel can truly change your life if you take the chance to get out on the road and step out of your comfort zone my guests also share travel tips and lessons they've learned along the way which i hope inspires you to let travel be your teacher hello listeners and welcome back to the school of travels podcast I want to start today's episode with a question for you. Do you know what a co-living is? And if so, have you ever stayed in one? I spent years living in share houses when I worked full-time in Tokyo, Japan, but as a location-independent traveler, I've actually never stayed in a co-living, so I was really interested to learn more about them, and better yet, discover what it's like to design and build one from scratch, with my guest today, Kate Schiffman. Kate is a fellow American citizen residing in Portugal, although she is way ahead of the trend and she has almost reached the five-year residency mark, which here in Portugal means that she can soon apply for her Portuguese citizenship. In our discussion today, Kate and I talk about why she chose the surf town of Eri on Portugal's beautiful West Coast to build her very first co-living space. We also discuss how she is implementing sustainability into all of her design and construction choices, and the future events and collaboration with businesses in Ediceira she plans for her new space. Are you ready to learn more about co-living and the opening of a beautiful new space in Portugal? Then let's get right into my conversation with Kate. Welcome to episode 75 of the School of Travels podcast. I'm so excited. Listeners, we've reached 75. And today I'm with a really special woman who's going to tell you all about her co-living space. We're going to talk about co-living today. And she also has her cat, Kimchi with her. So, Kate, welcome to the School of Travels. Thank you so much. I'm so happy to be here. Thank you for having
1: me. Um, I'm excited to join you this morning for your 75th episode. And yeah, so just to kind of give you a little bit of a background, I am, you know, and to the listeners, we are here in Lisbon, um, and um, I have spent the last five years here. So I I am uh, kind of more of a serial expat than a nomad. Um, I've lived uh, in the US, uh, in the UK, and now I'm living here in Lisbon. Uh, Prior to that, I also lived in Ericeira, Portugal, which is where uh, a very special project is being built which is something we're going to talk about today.
0: Yes, I am so excited to get more insight from you about what your experience has been in Portugal and Eddie Seda, because I've had a few people come on the show and talk about Lisbon and moving to Portugal, but I've never talked about co livings in general. And I think as people are coming back out of the pandemic and they're starting to travel again, you're really having this feeling that you want to be around other people and live with people again, because maybe you felt so isolated. So, I'm excited to talk about that with you. But first of all, let's talk about how did you get to Portugal and then how did you get to Eddie yeah, that? Yeah,
1: so I I did the classical thing of giving up my corporate career. Um, I was living in New York. I worked at a bunch of startups and then some media agencies, um, um, really just working in advertising and um, paid media and, you know, this sort of industry. Um, I had known for a while that I wanted to live an international life. So this was quite a few years ago. The term digital nomad was not really a thing. Um, I, because of my upbringing and the way I, I grew up, kind of uh, between the post-communist uh, Ukraine and New York City, um, I kind of I, I always had this idea that I wanted to uh, be living in several different places at the same time and that I did not want to be tied down to a specific country. Um, But of course I didn't really have this like fleshed out. uh, So it took a few years to get to that. But at some point I was living in New York and, you know, living the dream and definitely in air quotes, um, (laughs) uh, you know, working like crazy hours and making lots of zeros, you know, but like you spend all that money and there's no, there's no meaning to that. Right. And, um, and so I knew that I wanted to change my life. And I said, okay, I want you to, I, what I do for a living, I can do anywhere in the world. It never made sense to me that I had to, um, travel every single day with millions of super depressed people on overcrowded subway to get to an office, to open the laptop that I can do literally from anywhere. And so, um, I started thinking about how I could um, change my life in that way. Uh, I knew that the job I was doing, I really, you know, I just needed to be in a fairly okay time zone and with decent Wi-Fi. Um, so I looked at um, my my options, and I knew that when I was working for startups, uh, my options were actually a little bit limited to the to the technology that we were working with at any particular company. So I transitioned to uh, working for advertising agencies, which gave me um, a much wider um, uh, range of skills, um, so that I could then um, expand my network, but also uh, have you know have the skill set that allows me to uh, to freelance in various disciplines of uh, advertising and paid media. And so that transition took a few years. Um, I, I got a job uh, right away at a really, really nice agency, uh, working until 9, 10 o'clock at night, as one does. Some of you can relate to this. Um, and, uh, you know, kind of like worked my way up and learned, you know, uh, the different kinds of platforms, the different, uh, you know, uh, different parts of uh, the advertising industry. And, um, and a few years later, it was time to kind of make the move. Um, and so, uh, yeah, and so I, I came to Lisbon on vacation with a friend of mine and, uh, and fell in love, I fell in love with this, with the city, with the quality of light. And, um, and then I took a drive to the Alentejo coast, which is kind of like just, you know, just the Western coast of the Atlantic ocean and it's rugged and it's beautiful and super poetic. And once I saw those cliffs, I, I knew, I, I knew that, that I had to move and so a year later, I made the move. I, I gave up my, my job um, at an agency, um, but uh, but at that time, I already had uh, a very good professional network that allowed me to um, uh, to tap into it for remote jobs, for, for freelancing gigs, um, and also another large agency was trying to headhunt me at that time for a position, full-time position, and Somehow, I got them to uh, to um, actually hire me as a freelancer, and this is five years, more than five years ago, and I'm still actually working with this agency. I worked on a bunch of accounts with them. Uh, I was very transparent from the very beginning that I was going to be abroad. They accepted that, so they gave me a chance. Um, and obviously, you know, they've been they've been happy so far. Uh, and some other agencies, you know, have also done the same, and so. I'm very fortunate in that I've had a, a stable source of, you know, a good level income um, throughout my freelancing, you know, uh, expat journey. And so, so that's, that's what kind of brought me to Portugal.
0: <laughs> wow. And so it's important that you're on that freelancer status because that's the, is that the visa that you came in on the D7?
1: Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So that was actually quite easy. Um, well, I mean, it's a, a little bit of bureaucracy, a bit of waiting, you know, but <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, it was fairly straightforward. Uh, I don't know what the requirements are now because this was five years ago, but for me, you know, you just needed to show, um, you know, your contract and your bank account statements, you need to have health insurance, uh, and the apartment lease. And I think, I think that's it, you know, very basic things. And uh, you, you submit all of that, you wait,
0: you wait some more, you wait
1: some more, you follow up, you wait some more, and then they give it to you. <laughs> And then you're here and then <laughs> yeah. Europe
0: is there for you and especially Portugal. So let's yeah. talk about Edi Where is Edi And can you tell us a bit about it for people who've never heard of it?
1: Yeah. So Edi is a bit of a magical place. It's a surf town about 40 minutes north of Lisbon. Um, it's becoming a very, very popular destination for digital nomads and expats. Um, it has been... Um, a surf capital of Europe. So it's one of the seven world surfing reserves and is the only one in Europe. And what this means is that this is a place uh, where because of the natural conditions, um, they're able to hold competitions, surfing competitions. So essentially what this means is that the bottom of the ocean is not sand, uh, but it's either sheathed or, I don't know, some other hard surfers. I'm not even a surfer, by the way. <laughs> but I, I did go to a really, really cool surf museum in Ericeira. And so the, the reason why this place is special is because you have seven beaches just from north to the south of, of the village where the conditions are always the same every year because the bottom is solid. So they're able to benchmark results. Whereas if this, if this were like a sand beach... Uh, the waves are always different. The, the bottom of the ocean is always different. So the results year to year, you, you cannot benchmark them. So um, Eriseire became a world surfing reserve in late 90s, early 2000s. And, um, and then the secret was out. You know, prior to that, it was kind of like a very well you know, hidden spot for pro surfers. It's not for the faint hearted. It's not a place where you go to learn how to surf. And there's a million surf schools, you know, but it's like
0: learning how to drive in New York city. And it's really cold. The water we yeah. need to say is pretty cold the, for people, but they have the but it, but it's, Yeah. But it's everywhere along the the, the Portuguese coast,
1: the, the mainland. Yeah. So, yeah. But because of the, the surfing community that's been coming there, it's developed this really interesting vibe, this kind of like more alternative, uh, more international vibe. So, Uh, The village has been growing in popularity with remote workers, with surfers, with nomads, with uh, people who are seeking a little bit more of an alternative lifestyle. Um, Yeah. And so it's it has a it has a really special vibe. It's actually
0: a very beautiful village, um, but it also has this really cool alternative vibe. (laughs) How is it to live there? Because I know you were living there for quite a while and you're, you're now based in Lisbon again. But what is it like to live there?
1: it's really nice um it's it's super beautiful i mean you wake up and you're five minutes away uh, walking from one of the most beautiful breathtaking beaches you'll ever see in your life you know and you have a choice of those you know you can go like straight right and center you know left and you can choose the beach you can go to um if you don't surf there's still like things to do you know there's a big yoga community mindfulness and spirituality so there's you know there are there are things to do in the you know in that sort of community. Um, yeah, there's great restaurants if you like seafood, if you like fish. Um, it's just, you know it's not a very large community, but it's definitely growing and interesting. You mentioned this about the pandemic. Um, it is said the the nomad and expat population has been growing steadily through the pandemic. So a lot of people you know came from, you know, Now that people can work remotely. A lot of people came from different parts of Europe and settled down. in they say that you have that lifestyle and still be able
0: to work. Yeah. I feel like it's some of those people that ended, decided to stay in Bali during the pandemic. It's like you, this like feeling of just regeneration every morning when you get up and you see this beach and you yeah. have the sun. So why are you living in Lisbon now again for the, for the time being?
1: Yeah. So, um, I am, uh, I'm building a co-living space, uh, and there is a co-living, co-working.
0: Okay. Just for a moment, let's just talk about what a co-living is. For somebody's <laughs> like, okay, I think I figured out co-working, but what is co-living?
1: So co-living is for people like we
0: just discussed, people who are able to uh,
1: work remotely and they would like to go and stay someplace for a few weeks to a few months. Um, and it's, um, so it's accommodation with community, uh, because of course, all of us, yes, we want a place to stay, but we what we really want is belonging. What we really want is to meet the right people uh, to help us on our journey, and to you know, and to to impact others, and to and to feel that that connection with people. And so, co living is all of that. A good co living is all of that. It's you know a place where you feel comfortable, like you have arrived. Um, especially for a nomadic person, it's super important to come to a place that really allows you uh to that to have that regenerative pause. And so this is why I'm also building from scratch to design it specifically for the transient tribe. Um, and then obviously the other part is the community. You know, you want to have people that um you know that are close to you that have similar views on life and similar you know goals and similar uh, in a similar lifestyle, and uh, co-livings tend to attract people like that, and so I think this mode of living is going to become more and more popular. and And it's uh, it's in a way it's healing from the disconnection that we all feel. Uh, you know, whether you are you know an nomadic person, you can live in Bali, or you're you're living you know in four walls you know in Tokyo, or you know or Shanghai or Paris. Uh, We all feel a little bit disconnected, you know, and I think it's before the pandemic also, but it's been exacerbated by it. So places like co-livings help us, you know, help us bring us back together as people, as communities and, uh, you know, create that, that atmosphere of family which I think is very important.
0: <laughs> yeah I, I personally love co-livings and I'm so excited you're building another really nice one in uh, Kimchi <laughs> uh, another really nice one here in Portugal. So let's talk about how many bedrooms you're gonna have, how many people will this be able to you know, like what's the capacity for this place and what is the name of your co-living as well?
1: Um, yes so we will come back to the name um, but um, so it's it's um there's going to be seven guest bedrooms. Um, a kitchen, living room, uh, and so the, the the common spaces are designed um, by the level of by the degree of connection, decreasing your increasing degree of connection. So you have you know a large living room, which is the most kind of public space with seating areas that are specifically designed for connection for larger groups, and then you go into like a smaller kind of library where you can be you know, alone, but still kind of know that people are around. So I, I call it togetherness for introverts. So you can, you know, you can have a book, you know, you can have, you know, seating for two people, but it's not like a large group. Um, and then you have a meditation greenhouse. That's also a part of the the, the building. Um, and it's basically, you know, it's a space where you can go just on your own uh, or we could, you know, have meditation classes there. Um, and it's just, um, it's, it's more private because it's surrounded by tropical greenery and you can just go inside that place and have a quiet moment wow. um so there's there's kind of like levels of togetherness um then we have uh, a sauna uh, a swimming pool um and then the co-working space and the co-working also has uh it has two floors and it has different kind of um seating arrangements i certainly like i cannot sit in the same position for eight hours and i hate working from the same like workstation the entire day or especially one or two days in a row um so i'm designing for people who are as restless as i am (laughs) um so they're going to be you know comfortable you know seating kind of like situations outdoors obviously with wi-fi and you know and power hookup and shading as well um and inside, you know, there, there are different kinds of, like, desks and chairs, standing desks, you know, normal desks, kind of more cafe situations, you know, where you can move around, you know, throughout the day and feel more comfortable and don't feel, like, super stagnant. Um, there are obviously cold booths. I mean, that's normal for a co-working space. And then upstairs, as we were <laughs> discussing before, there are going to be uh, at least a couple uh, creator studios. So for podcasters, for coaches... For people who spend, who need privacy, and who spend a good amount of their day, you know, in an enclosed space, so I wouldn't want to stick them in a tiny little phone booth, like where you would go for just one call. Uh, and I would want to like equip them with better sound insulation, you know, more comfortable furniture, you know, uh, opportunity for background and some equipment that 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 we've discussed. So they're going to be a couple. Uh, For now, and then if there's more demand, then there's room to build more of those. Um, Just for people who do either podcasts or coaching, or we were talking about voiceovers, anything that requires a little bit more um, a a need for an alone time in an enclosed space.
0: Yeah, that's so important, I think, because (laughs) if a couple is staying together in your co-living, I mean, it's so hard with an Airbnb to have that quiet space you need. To really focus on recording something or even getting that level of quiet. So this is really exciting.
1: To hear. Yeah. Um, also every, so every bedroom, every bedroom is on suite. So if you're staying somewhere for, you know, a few weeks to a few months, like I don't want to share a bathroom, <laughs> you know. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, so every bedroom is ensuite um, and every be- and every bedroom has its own workstation. So you have a desk. So if you don't want to work in a co-working space or you have a you know, sensitive phone call, maybe you work in a sensitive industry, uh, which I-, I actually know some people who don't use co-working spaces for that reason. Um, so if you, you know, if you have that situation or you just want to be in your own space, then you can work from there.
0: Um, yeah, I love that you're planning for all of these scenarios. I can tell you've been <laughs> around this industry for a while and you've really been asking people because it's, it's, you know, when you're just starting with remote work, you don't imagine all these things that might come up and that you need or also that you're building a place that sounds like where if there's a request from a, a customer or a client, maybe this adaptation can be made to your space. And we don't see that with like big corporations like WeWork or something that you come into.
1: Yeah, no, for sure. I, I mean, I would love to incorporate as much user feedback as possible. Um, the reason I'm building from scratch is because I really want to purpose build for this for this kind of person, you know. And I've been, you know, having this lifestyle for quite a while. Even before kind of, in, even before moving to Portugal, I've moved around quite a bit. Uh, I was a bit of a gypsy for six or seven years at some point in my life. And I've stayed in a lot of hotels. I've stayed in very high-end places. I've also, in another previous life, I was uh, an interior photographer. And so I photographed some very, very high-end hotels. So I understand, or if, at least I think I have a good understanding of what true luxury is. And true luxury is not, is not gold-plated anything. True luxury is connection with nature and time and having the space to be to be relaxed in and the space that serves your needs so that's what that's these are the qualities that i'm bringing into the project and uh, and yeah and this is why i'm building from scratch because i want to make sure that the needs of 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 my
0: residents are are met let's talk a little bit about sustainability i know you're planning to build this space in a sustainable way
1: Yes. Uh, yeah. So um, the idea is to uh, create a 360-degree eco-positive experience. And uh, what does this mean? So um, even with the selection of the plot, I wanted to make sure that it's accessible by public transportation from Lisbon. So it's um, it's about a 10-minute walk from the bus station from uh, in, in Ericeira. So one can take uh, the bus from Lisbon to Ericeira and walk. Uh, to the co-living, we're going to have e-bikes on site. The e-bikes are manufactured in Portugal by a company from Ericeira. (laughs) It's called 50 Rebels. They're really good friends of mine. Um, So um, while you're staying at the co-living, you can use the bikes uh, to do your shopping, to go surfing, to go around. There are beautiful bike lanes all over the coast, like going like north and south. So It's actually very easy. Um, And uh, this also kind of like, I also want to eliminate this, uh, this process where you need to rent the car to go do your food shopping um, for various reasons. Like I don't want people renting cars. Uh, I want to minimize the use of, of private cars. And also I would like to give more money to the local producers. And so we're going to have partnerships with local farms uh, you know where uh, there would be like different food delivery options for produce, for you know uh, veggies, eggs, uh, you know oranges, uh, you know uh, pastries, like all that kind of stuff. So we'll probably have like maybe a couple of different packages that people can choose from, and that's delivered to you to the co-living, you know, uh, on a weekly basis or a bi-weekly basis, and that eliminates that process where you need to rent the car to go to the supermarket.
0: And also the time I have to look up all this stuff, I don't even know what's available in these areas. And yeah, you're really making me realize like how much is missing in a lot of these experiences.
1: Oh yeah, um, that's, that's actually a good point too. Yeah, I didn't even think about that. Uh, but yes, uh, and, so, and then kind of moving on to the building itself. Um, another reason why I'm building and why um, I'm building in a very different way than, uh, than things have been built in Portugal up to date is uh, I'm trying to minimize the use of concrete so concrete is incredibly taxing on the environment. Uh, it takes I don't I don't remember exactly how many tons, but a huge amount of water to create one ton of concrete and also a huge amount of CO2. So as a building material, it's it's one of the least sustainable w- options you can possibly imagine. Um, so we still have to uh, have some concrete in the foundation, but the entire building, this is 600 square meters, um, are made with um, a material called CLT. Um, it's called c- cross laminated timber. So it's um, it's actually quite popular in Northern Europe. There's already uh, quite a few buildings built this way. Uh, but it's going to be the first building built this way in Portugal. Um, and it's essentially uh, cross laminated wood panels. Uh, that uh, that are assembled in factories. So think about a modular house or prefab, but one that is completely custom designed and custom built. Uh, the advantage, the environmental advantage here is that uh, wood already has what is called embodied carbon. So uh, when wood was a tree. It already took carbon from the atmosphere so it'll it already served the purpose to the environment by using this material we're already taking carbon from the atmosphere and then the actual production process is actually quite it's it's a lot less taxing uh environmentally because you're just basically you're cutting wood and then you, you're you're slicing into pieces and you're uh and you're gluing it like pressure gluing with um organic glue so that's you're you're not using much water. You're not using that much energy. So the pro- the production of this material is also um, not not CO2 intensive. So it's, it's right now it's considered the most efficient uh, um, and sustainable material to build from. Um, it was not easy to find a way to build from to to build this way uh, in Portugal, um, but I have I have an architect who believes in me believes in my ideas and um yeah and I'm just incredibly grateful like it's super important to have partners on your side who are fully supportive of you and will do you know everything to help you um especially in a foreign country especially when you don't speak the language um so yeah I'm I've been very 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 lucky to to work with someone who is uh who took it you know as his goal to bring my idea and my philosophy to life
0: (sighs) I really hope your story gets out too throughout (laughs) Portugal and whoever's listening that is thinking of building because this is what we need like I don't honestly I have not thought about how a building is built I very rarely has it crossed my mind so it's so important to hear like how much of a reduced impact on the environment this kind of building is gonna have. So that's really exciting. Now, outside of the building, outside of the space, do you have any facilities? I, I don't know how big the plot of land is that doesn't include the building itself.
1: Yeah, of course. So I mean, you know, the building is exciting, but Obviously, the idea is connect, connection with nature. So yes, we have, um, we're going to have a regenerative garden. And what this means is that basically you plant plants that then help other plants grow. Um, and I'm not much of a gardener, but I'm working with a really cool uh, uh, um, garden designer who um, explained this concept to me. And so we are kind of doing... Um, sort of a meadow. So it's not going to be um, a traditional garden where you have, you know, rows of this plant, rows of that plant, and, you know, maybe like, uh, you know, a patch somewhere and blah, 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 you know, but it's going to be much more wild and, uh, you know, herbs and aromatic uh, plants are going to be, you know, planted together with like other plants. So you really feel like, or i hope you feel that you're more in the wild and the idea is to um to have a sensorial experience so when you're walking through the garden you feel you know you feel the aromas coming from different directions you feel you know uh, you know the grass and 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 everything move with you and and you also feel that you can interact with it. it's not something you're not in a formal english garden where you cannot sit on the grass you can just plop down with your laptop or without you know and and feel like you're you're alone in the field of grass you know and with flowers um so that's yeah so that's kind of the facilities um this is that we also have um a swimming pool so it's it's nice to have um i'm, I'm trying to work with the senses. Um, so you have, you know, you have water, there's going to be a fire element, which I will, which is going to be a little bit of a surprise. Um, there is a, um, there's a, a sauna. So I'm trying to create a multisensory experience with the space um, and, a, and a place that feels good, a place that um, provides what I call a regenerative pause.
0: I love that. Mm. I'm so excited to visit this space. So, what's the timeline here? And and I want to also go back to the name of the mm. space. And when do you think it's going to open? And also, are people going to be able to stay for just a few days, or are you going to kind of require them to book at least for a month? How do you see this going forward? Yeah. So we start construction in September, and because we're
1: building in this way with CLT. Um, I plan to open by by next summer. So it's actually uh, this you know this works actually uh, in our favor uh, because essentially what happens once you have all the normal works done your you know your foundation and everything um, the actual building uh, you know all the panels are cut in the factory and then they you know these huge trucks come in and then they assemble everything on site. Yeah, it doesn't take three days, obviously, you know, but, um, but yeah, but we'll be able to be open for the summer for next summer, which is super,
0: super exciting. Um, you yeah. have one year, listeners, for those of you get ready to go to Kate's place.
1: <laughs> yeah. Um, and so, um, yes, um, I thought a lot about the duration of stay because um, a traditional co-living usually is like, you know, a month plus. Um, and then, um, there is another sort of model where which I really don't support where co-livings are co-livings in low season. And then suddenly like, you know, when the high season starts, they go to daily rates without naming any names, but they're, but most of them in high, you know, in, um, very touristy areas do, tend to do this. And I've had friends who were kind of really taken aback by that, you know, so I will not do this um uh, because that's betraying the whole idea of a co-living and betraying your own community um what i want to do though is i, I do um I, I do value flexibility so i don't want people especially this is a new space to have to commit for months so what i think is going to be uh, a good uh, kind of middle ground is um you're able to book a week and come to stay for a week if within this week you um you you extend for a month then that difference is refunded to you so obviously the week you know is going to be at a higher rate than the same week would have been during a month stay but if within that first week you decide to extend for a month then the difference for that week will be refunded to you and you stay for a month okay so it's kind of like a little bit of a trial and look you know this is this is an idea if people like it i you know i'm always looking for feedback for suggestions. Let's see if this works. If there's a different model that people would like, I will try that. This is, it's, this is not about me. This place is um, something that I offer to the people uh that that decides to come and stay with me and and this is this is for them this is for the residents so whatever ends up working
0: for people that's going to be the model <laughs> all right now i have to ask as someone who has a place in lisbon but would like to get on the bus and come and see your place is it possible to go just as a one day guest or is there like a co-working daily rate i can pay to go and just hang out and meet people that live there
1: yeah definitely so it's going to function kind of like a social club uh we'll have lots of events and workshops and um art classes and you know parties and things like that and the co-working is quite large so i built it with the additional capacity for people to come yeah and do exactly as you said people from marisela people from lisbon people from you know whenever um and again there will be different kinds of rates and i think the community will dictate what what the needs are you know um Immediately, I'm thinking like it could be just, you know, uh, either either a monthly membership or like a pack, um, you know, or a daily kind of rate or an event rate. Yeah, I think there are different models, but uh, flexibility is the key. So uh, the answer to everything is, yes, you can. And we will figure out the best way, the most efficient way for people to come and enjoy the space and join the community.
0: All right. Well, and you mentioned events. So I'm wondering if it's possible to plan an event at your space and get in touch with you and what kind of capacity you're going to have for that. Because I know you mentioned it's a bigger co-working. There's a, and you have shown me some plans on the second floor. There's a big open space, but I'm not sure what else is available to be able to plan events.
1: Yeah, there's a few different options. So the, in the garden, we're going to have uh, kind of a large platform with um, with a sort of a wall behind it for movie screenings, uh, dance classes, yoga classes, um, outdoor you know uh, workshops, things like that. Then there's the art studio, which is not huge, but uh, but it's you know for a small group it's fine, and you can also do some stuff outdoors. Um, the the living spaces in the actual co living are very very large so the idea is for events we're going to combine we'll, we're going to have uh, kind of movable walls between the, the the more common the more public space and the and the library and so those walls are going to be able to to be removed and then you have a huge i think like a 50 60 square meter space for like really large workshops speeches events even you know maybe like a small on conference kind of thing you know so it's there are definitely Different kinds of spaces for different kinds of events. Uh, in terms of curation, yeah, uh, people can definitely come to me with ideas. Um, I'm looking for, you know, um, thought leadership. I'm looking to bring new ideas to Edicera, to Lisbon, to Portugal. So anything that is, you know, truly inspirational, um, anything that provides value, knowledge you know, that has that sense of awe and inspiration
0: is welcome. All right. Are you mm. going to have surfboards and things at the space as well? <laughs> I mean, we are
1: in the You gave You were gave me we, a like, I'm not a surfer, but of course,
0: <laughs> <We're> <laughs> a row.
1: I, I think you're actually legally not allowed to have accommodation in Leriseta if you don't offer at least one surfboard. <laughs>
0: People are like, wait, wait I'm, I'm an 80s title. Where's yeah, exactly. No, there,
1: there will be complaints. There will be the first one star reviews. <laughs> That's one goddamn surfboard.
0: <laughs> All right. And how far is your place from the beach, by the way? I haven't asked, asked that yet.
1: Um, It's like a 10-minute walk to the village. And in the village, you have... Well, one... You have three beaches in the village, <laughs> really. So it's, I would say... It's a 15 to 20 minute walk to any of the uh, beaches in the village. And then the rest, I mean, the rest you'd have to drive to anyway. So you can take the bike and to any of them, you can take the bike, right? So like, yes, you can walk to the village and to the beaches, or you can just take your e-bike.
0: Okay, great. And so also when you're on, are you going to have staff that are working there full time? For example, I don't know the layout and how far restaurants are, but if I go from Lisbon to, to work for a day is it easy to get food for lunch or do you have a plan for like offering food at at, like different times of the day at the space or what are your plans for that?
1: Yeah. Yeah. So that's a great question. So, uh, there are a few, um, kind of like collectives and, and chefs in thecer that make you know amazing foods some vegan, some vegetarian some not different kind of traditions you know and this actually most of it started during the pandemic but but these these businesses are thriving uh, and so again we're gonna have um, we're gonna have partnerships um, with you know each one of these or like local restaurants to to cater uh, lunches for the people that are, they're just coming, you know, to the, to the working, and obviously the residents as well.
0: <laughs> oh, wow. That's going to be amazing. So, um, I know I've talked about this a couple of times. I don't know if it's a secret or a surprise, but what have you, have you decided on a name for your place? So, um,
1: it's, so I, I did have a name, um, for, uh, for the last couple of years. And, and and this is and it's it's called Art House Co Living and I had the the domain registered and everything. But the more I dug into the philosophy behind the, the place, um, the more I realized that Art House only embodies one part of it. And so I do have a new name, uh, but I have not heard from my lawyer w- whether or not I can register it. So. At the moment, I, this is still a little bit of a secret. But if you go to arthouse-coliving.com, that this is, then you will have all the information. You have the landing page, and you have, you know, everything there, and you can sign up on the waitlist, blah blah blah. But in the next couple of weeks, hopefully. I will have the new name registered and we will announce it and, uh, yeah, and everything.
0: Oh, yeah. And so I'm afraid to say it. Oh, yes, yeah. And in the middle of the summer, as we're, this is going to be released, and so you're going to have plenty of time to get on that website and register early, but then the new name, and I guess you'll be migrating it over, and you can just keep an eye on Kate's website and, and this amazing space that's that I'm so excited to visit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So um, you are really into architecture. I am (laughs) I'm curious like what you found or what you think really helps I know you mentioned space and connection with nature but what you think really helps inside of the building itself to like bring this sense of community and connection
1: yeah so um the there are a few kind of concepts that I built that I am building the the space uh based on uh one is sensorial design so it's as the name suggests, it's designing for the senses. Um, So, and it's subtle things that we don't think about, you know, Um, the color temperature, you know, of the light bulbs, um, the, the, the air movement, right? Uh, different kind, different functions of a space, uh, call for different kinds of air movement. So for example, if you're in a co-working space, you want more airflow, you want the temperature to be a little bit cooler. So you stay alert in your bedroom, you probably want to feel more cozy, right? So we're designing spaces with this in mind. Um, obviously, the materials play a huge role. So building from wood also has an added benefit of you living in a wooden building, which is which feels so much better on your body and your emotions than living in concrete. And concrete, as you know, living in Lisbon, you end up in a cold, damp space. Um, and I just. I didn't, I didn't want to do this, you know, in a wooden building. And obviously with, you know, insulation, with cork insulation, which is natural, um, you're, you're never, there's not never any dampness. So you feel dry, you feel, um, you know, you feel well ventilated. Uh, the wood has this lovely quality, you know, in any weather that just makes your body feel good. Um, Every every bathroom uh is going to have a skylight. So we're trying to create a connection with nature uh in every part
0: of the of the guest experience. Oh, I am just so excited. I see this in my in my mind and I'm like, can't wait, can't wait to visit this cave. So Thank I yeah. yeah, I'm I'm just hoping that like it, it opens next summer and people Do you have any plans for like the first event that you want to have or like oh, a so kickoff many. kind oh, of oh, so <laughs> Um, it's going to be um, yeah, it's going to be a big party. I do
1: hope that the neighbors don't completely hate me, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, we'll see. Yeah, I mean, of, of course, it's going to be a huge party. I don't know when it's at some point. Once once you know, I have a better idea of when things are going to be. But yeah, and um, obviously, like the, my friends from from Madeira, from Lisbon, who have local businesses, are also going to. Come and contribute, you know, with fashion shows or with whatever it is. Yeah, have a couple of friends who you know design clothes, have like a little fashion line. So, um, obviously, musicians and DJs and artists, um, yeah, the art kind of side of this, which is where art house is coming from, is I want to um, have you know people actually you know develop or start an art practice so they can pick up you know they can pick up something very uh very low low tech like ikebana which i having lived in japan you know what that is but it's oh, a yeah. it's japanese art of bouquet making uh and it's a, it's just a very contemplative practice and very very low tech like it's super easy to do photography which is something i can teach I haven't been you know in business for most of my life uh and you know different you know obviously coming you know having artists uh, you know visiting artists come in and do workshops uh muralists we're gonna have a wall for people to you know try their hand at, at street art you know i have you know, quite a few friends here who, who do this so they they will come in you know from Lisbon. Um, there will be a visiting artists program. So the idea is you know, an artist uh, in a specific discipline will come in and stay for you know a month or two, and you know contribute their uh, their knowledge, experiences, you know, and um, and skills to the community. So people, uh, the residents, and um, the larger community will be able to uh, to tap into that and to you know learn how to um, you know engage in a specific art form. <laughs>
0: I just, it's so funny to think about the difference between staying in an Airbnb or a hotel and then staying in a co-living. I mean, the touch points and the the new relationships you can make, the new things you can learn. It's like it's just unparalleled. I, I don't even want to stay in an Airbnb. Anymore. I wish there were more co-livings around the world, especially designed with so much thought as yours is going to be.
1: I think there's going to be, you know, and there's some amazing spaces. Like there's Sunday in Spain, which is super inspirational. There's Sunco. There's some amazing co-livings that started, you know, way before, you know, I did and have been kind of uh, the, you know, the gold standard for co-living in terms of the way they build community, the way, you know, just how, you know, how, inspirational and pioneering and uh, they have been and, and so these guys are really they these guys really get it you know
0: I would love to get your list and we can add it on our website at the schooloftravels.com yep. when we publish your episode because that'll be a great like launch point for people to maybe they have a chance within the next yeah. year to visit one of these spaces and for sure. get excited for yours which I, I know you're calling it Art House, but I, mm-hmm. I like Kate's place. I, like, <laughs> I keep going back to that. Yeah, so, for sure. So you've mentioned the website. Let's say the mm-hmm. website one more time. And then if people want to follow you or getting any more information, where can they go?
1: Yeah, so it's arthouse dot, uh, arthouse-coliving.com. Um, and on Instagram, is it's arthouse.coliving. So yeah. And then yeah, people Google me, uh, Kate Schiffman or katie.brooklyn on Instagram um yes they can find both obviously me and and through there the the co-living
0: yeah and stay tuned we're going to get the official name soon and thank you so much kate for joining us at the school of travels and telling us about this wonderful co-living i can't wait to visit thank you so much for having me (laughs) i really hope you enjoyed my conversation with kate and it has inspired you to visit her beautiful space when it opens next year I can't wait to see her dream come to life and get a chance to sit in the beautiful garden or take a walk to the beach with others staying in Kate's new co-living. I am keeping it a secret here, but if you go to theschooloftravels.com, I will put a link to Kate's launch site for her new co-living space where you can learn the final name that she chose for the space. Keep your eyes on her site for updates on the progress of the construction and the final opening date. We can't wait to see what you've created, Kate, and I'm looking forward to meeting the School of Travel's listeners in Portugal in the future, where maybe you will get the chance to stay in Kate's place yourself. Hope you're all having a great summer, and until next time, stay safe, stay healthy, and stay tuned. Thanks for listening to the School of Travel's podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, we'd love for you to subscribe and leave us a rating wherever you get your podcasts. Special thanks to The Sam Chase for allowing us to use their song, In a Perfect World. Don't forget to join us next week for another episode, and remember to always let travel be your teacher. If you keep
1: your options open, there are places you will go. They will treat you like the kings and queens your parents thought you'd be when you were born at all, with your head up standing tall, and you'd look back and think it's funny how you spent your time and money in this world, living in this perfect world, Every.